Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Hi, friends. It's us again. We're back once more. We're flailing for material, clearly. <laughs> yes, this is uh, post-atomic horror desperation episodes. Oh man, just just you wait because they officially announced that the new Picard show mm-hmm. uh, is coming in late 2019. Yeah, that's a whole year we're gonna have to fill. Yeah, which means because uh, Disco comes back in, in early January and gets 13 episodes, so I think we're done in March or April. Yep, uh, and then. Question marks uh-huh. until I mean, late 2019, which I would guess to be the last quarter, so October yep. at the earliest. I mean, so Pa is continuing through that year. Don't yeah, we'll figure something. Yeah, but what there's are we not going to be any. I don't know each other possibly. Probably not more fan films. Uh, would you say? I am going to say I'm going to go out on a limb here and say uh, no. We will not be doing any more fan films. If I have anything to say about it, this and is this it's is half thing. of my show, so I do. Yeah, you absolutely. You get like. It's one of those things where, obviously, if we hadn't each had an equal vote, we'd get into a deadlock. Mm-hmm. So you'd basically just have to be able to veto stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works if you say absolutely not. <laughs> and in fairness, you said absolutely not to this concept a couple of times. I And um, I, I kind of talked you into it. So uh, go, if you go back to original Sarcastic Voyage uh, years ago, we did an episode where we reviewed a bunch of fan films just because... Uh, we had no Star Trek to watch, and we wanted yeah, what, some. Yeah, what happened was we were super excited after the Abrams movie, and we're like, okay, new Star Trek, where is it? Oh, there isn't any. Yeah. And yeah, we did a we did a whole episode. I'll link to that in, in the show notes. Yeah, and that uh, eventually led to Pa happening, but... Uh, yeah, where we're like, we like talking about Star Trek. Let's yeah. keep doing this. But and um, actually, I believe that was one of Vichelle's first uh, illustrations for us. Oh, he did shit, this yeah. great uh, drawing of Disco Bones for that. Yes. Which no, but was fantastic. So uh, we watched a bunch of those uh, uh, fan films. Yeah. We picked uh, the most popular ones we could find, and yeah. uh, Al liked some of them. I re- there were three of them, and I remember liking like one and a half of them. And I hated all of them. <laughs> uh, I the only uh... fan film I've ever liked is uh, Axanar. Which is never being released. Like the prelude to Axanar, which was like a documentary style, what, 10, 15 minute little thing mm-hmm. was quite good and very promising. And then all that legal stuff happened. So I yeah. don't think the final movie's ever even going to happen. And that Al had to convince me to watch for like 20 minutes to actually yeah, you were, sit you, down and watch you the happened, damn thing. You happened to be here at my house at the time. It was like, and I, and I was able to just like, here, sit and watch this. Trust me. I know you don't like fan films, but trust me. And you did. Uh-huh. But, and the thing with that is they had t- tons of uh, actors who had been in, uh, previous incarnations of Star Trek. Yep. You had the guy who played Martok. Uh, you had the Vulcan ambassador from Enterprise. Was it Admiral Ross decent... on there too? I could I be wrong about remember that. that. Uh, but Gary Graham, the Vulcan ambassador, one of the few good supporting characters on Enterprise, mm-hmm. he was in it. Like there were a lot of good actors. Yeah. And that made it, you know, and, and then good, you know, production values and so forth. Yeah, no, it's a good looking. It, it was, the whole yeah. thing just was professional and well done and well acted and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no other fan this, film I've seen has a combination of all of those things. But we're in a tricky area 
because we don't want to be jerks. We have to grade this on a curve. This is you, you can't compare this to Star Trek mm-hmm. because this is made by passionate fans with a fraction of the budget and, you know, none of the like uh, seasoned union professionals, you know, behind the camera and all that stuff. Like there's there's so many things you have to allow for. Mm-hmm. So even if we gave this like an F minus minus, still you have to grade on a curve. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and and I wouldn't because there's still I, there are things to like. About yeah, the, the, <laughs> it's just not it's not what I want. The the personally. idea of being mean to passionate Trek fans who want to get out there and make something seems um, it's the word I'm looking for here, uh, like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, like setting a bad precedent when maybe? you're into your eighth year of a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that is definitely glass houses. Mm-hmm. And so, but but. So what we decided was that we're going to be critical, mm-hmm. but we're not going to be mean. Yeah. We, we might accidentally be mean. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that I could not help noticing, but we'll try. We're going to try. try. Real, real hard. Uh, Star Trek Phase 2 is an interesting uh, entity. We were just looking it up because it was called the New Voyages, and then it was called Phase 2, and then it was called the New Voyages again. Mm-hmm. So it's a little confusing because I'd heard about this a number of times, and... I wasn't sure which one it was. Apparently, it's both. And it's further confused by the fact that Phase 2 was the original name for the 70s relaunch of Trek that ended up turning into the motion picture. Mm -hmm. So it's all real confusing. Yeah. Um, But this is one of the more high-profile fan endeavors. There's a ton of uh, legit people involved with Star Trek involved with this. A lot of actors, a lot of writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rod Roddenberry was involved, so take that for what it's worth. I don't think that we need to take that for anything. No, nah, but it does. It does lend it an air of legitimacy. I suppose that's true. I don't. That legitimacy think... fades if you've talked to Rod Roddenberry for more than five minutes. But uh... okay, how about this though? Uh, did you notice at the end of this episode there was a trailer for the next episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, and next time on Star Trek Phase Two was voiced by Major Major Barrett Roddenberry. Oh my God, that was her. Yeah, I thought that or, was a, a uh, wow, or a very good, or a very good sound alike. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty good at that game. Wow, yeah, I know. The 2004, she would have still been able to do that. Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and but plus they had episodes by DC Fontana, mm-hmm. by David Gerald, like not just someone who co-co wrote a shitty episode, like some of the best writers. Yeah. From the original series. I mean, that's impressive as hell. Yeah. And they got some of the sort of second tier performers. Mm. They got Takei, they got Koenig, they got, um, of course, Denise Crosby showed up for some inexplicable reason. Now I'm Tasha's grandmother her, from the. F- she is her grandmother. Oh, Literally, of that's she what did. she played. Everyone like, in the not- Yar family looks exactly the same. Well, everyone in the Soong family looks the same. I mean, that's true, but a lot of the people in the Soong family were built, Al. That's true, <laughs> but but Grandpa Soong, who was also a fan of Khan or something, mm-hmm. I, God, I hated Enterprise. Yeah, it's real bad. And that's even now. That's, that's the thing I I think the most about Phase Two or the New Voyages. I'm gonna just stick with Phase Two. Mm-hmm. They called it both things. Yeah, called the Phase Two and the New Voyages. Let's just say Phase Two. All right. I think that's the the takeaway that I have the most is, if nothing else. This show is more passionate about its source material than Enterprise ever was. I I gotta give them credit for that. Yeah. Uh, looking at the list, they had Walter Canning, George Takei, Grace, Grace Lee Whitney, 
Um, one of these things is not like the others. Denise Crosby. Like, okay, all these original series guys, sure. And then someone who quit next gen early through. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the guy who played Commodore Matt Decker reprise his role. Wow. Uh, and a couple other smaller roles. So, you know, it was pretty That's cool. That's impressive. Yeah. Or a testament to what uh, actors will do for a paycheck. I, also that. <laughs> um, but, you know, so so it is maybe the most legit or one of the most legit fan pr productions mm -hmm. uh, that, that had been made. Uh, and the reason we did this is because quite a few of you suggested that we do this. And this is basically us saying, okay, we're doing it once. We picked the best example we could, and that's all we're doing because it puts us in a weird position where we got to be mean and critical of things that are obviously, you know, passion projects. Yeah, I think the thing I really wanted to take away from all of this is that I don't want any of these guys to call me and yell at me. No, which I mean, which in the the modern future that we live in is an entire is entirely possible. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as soon as we tag, you know, anything on social media, like. Phase two or new voyages or whatever, someone with a Google alert's gonna say, "Oh, some podcast is talking about us." Oh, yeah, it'd be like the what was it, Time Chasers, where they were excited to see that their movie was on Mystery Science Theater, and then they watched it and they were all sad. Yeah, they were happy about their movie and sad they made jokes about it. So, so. hi, hi guys, if you're yeah. listening to this, um, you did you did some really impressive stuff. We we love your passion. Mm -hmm. We really do. But there, we do have some some criticisms, which we will get into after Matt delivers his summary. Could, uh -huh. could you please? Uh, but of course. <clears throat> so Captain Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise are exploring the dusty desert planet of Dust Des Sarnez Productions 2 when they're attacked by tiny little ships and the literal worst sideburns in the galaxy. And this is Star Trek we're talking about. So Kirk's moldy nephew, Peter, tries to save the day and mostly gets shot at. Sorry, Peter. The Enterprise attempts to fight off the tiny ships, but, like, it's the Enterprise, guys. They're killing these dudes on accident. Like, it turned around and killed three of them. So the landing party returns to the ship with captured sideburn guy in tow, and he mostly just yells about how they've been attacking his people, which baffles the shit out of Kirk. Which is about when Alursa, or possibly Abator, attacks in the USS Eagle, a cobbled-together Starfleet vessel. An enemy Starfleet, if Kirk is to be believed. Well, no, Jim, that's not exactly what's happening, but points for trying, I guess. So Alerse is a crazy woman with a knife who's found this old starship, uh, Starfleet ship, repurposed it, and is ruling an area with an iron fist, which is making Starfleet look bad. And then there's a very long but very excellent starship battle that I can highly recommend if you're into old Star Trek ships fighting each other, which I am. Eventually, Kirk and Kirk Jr. beam over to the Eagles so that Kirk can seduce Alerse, of course, and Peter can deactivate something. Eventually enough people are shot at at close range with phasers that the day is saved, but tune in next time for another graphically exquisite episode of Star Trek Phase 2, The New Voyages. Yeah. And, and the graphically exquisite episode of Star Trek Phase 2 uh, that is next is an adaptation of The Child, yeah. which was done on Next Gen as a Troy story, but was originally written for the original Star Trek Phase 2 mm -hmm. as a, I believe, Lieutenant Ilya story. Yes. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing about this series is a lot of these episodes were adapted, like I say, either from original series writers or from scripts that ended up not getting mm -hmm. made. Uh, David Gerald famously wrote one uh, uh, that's an allegory for the AIDS epidemic that Rick Berman, I'm sure, shot down. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so they they made it here. So, you know, and, and script wise, this felt like. Pretty middle of the road original series episode. I yeah, would say. but I mean, you know, it still felt like uh, it still felt like original series. Yeah, it absolutely did. But what I'm saying is that's that's not the thing. 
like I wouldn't be embarrassed of this script. It's it takes itself a little seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, like it's not an interesting episode of the original series. It would be one of those that we were when we went back to recap, we'd be like, which one was this? Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of back and forth and not really engaging characters. But, you, you know, it's not the the script is not an embarrassment, which for a fan production is something you need to. Yeah, that's uh, that's real impressive. Yeah. It is. And, you know, and again, like, we're grading on a curve. Yeah. And I mean, there's stuff in here that I actually re- like dialogue and stuff I actually really enjoyed. There's a scene with uh, uh, Chekhov. I can't believe I'm saying this. There's a scene with Chekhov, yeah. Bones, and uh, Kirk Jr., where they're mm-hmm. sort of giving him a talk about, you know, not being so terrible all the time. And it's actually really well done. And I realized some... the original series, I never got to see Chekhov and Bones have a scene together because by the time Chekhov showed up, it was basically the Shatner show with his best friend, uh, uh, Leonard. Yeah. Well, the, the the Bones, I was not impressed with at all, which we'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the checkoff wasn't too bad. It was a quality um, checkoff. Yeah. And um, God, that phrase like, like ashes in my mouth. Uh, no, because now Anton Yelchin has paved the way. Sure. It's clear a lot of the problem we had was Walter. Uh-huh. And honestly, let me let me just get into this. I hate to say this, I really do. I think we've I think we've set the groundwork enough now that you know we don't feel great saying real mean things. But most isn't most of the actors in this just are are not good. Like the visuals are great, mm-hmm. the script is average. Um good actors could have made this a decent thing, but most of them are just not up to yeah. it. And I'm clearly open to the idea of other people playing these characters. Like that's what the Abrams movie oh, was. Oh, absolutely. Was, oh, can anyone but DeForest Kelly play Bones? Well, yeah. Carl Urban absolutely mm-hmm. can. Uh, this guy, not so much. Like, there was nothing Bones about him at all. He he vaguely resembled him, I guess. Yeah. But he wasn't charming. He wasn't Southern. He wasn't grumbly. Like, all of the characteristics of Bones. I don't expect them to do impressions of the original guys. Oh, the no, character. That's a, that would drag the show down so badly. Yeah, it absolutely. And honestly, the main guy playing Kirk does a Shatner impression from time to time, mm-hmm. and that's not good. But uh, the guy playing Bones in particular, just like Bones is Southern, and you don't have to do a cartoon accent, but you could give him a little bit of a lilt. Mm-hmm. And he's a little grumbly, and this guy's sort of like, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> and like, no, oh, come on, you got you to gotta get, like, Carl Urban does that. Mm-hmm. Jim, damn it. You know, and. And Carl Urban's accent is not great, but... Carl Urban's accent is amazing. How dare you? Jim. Jim. It's horrible, but he's (laughs) trying because Bones is from, I think, Georgia. Like, he's he's a southern gentleman. Yeah. And he's charming as fuck. This guy is none of those things. Um, And most of them just don't have any presence, like any screen presence to speak of. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They kind of just feel like kids. Uh, the one exception, though, and I put this in my bad thing that I wrote down, is Chekhov. Yeah. He's not quite up to Anton Yelchin. Like, that kid was perfect, but, but he's better than Walter. He is definitely better than Walter, who has written a book, from what I've heard. <laughs> um, But you're right that, like, I, I liked the idea of Peter Kirk, and this is an established character. This isn't something they invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Operation Annihilate was where Kirk's brother uh, Excuse me, it's Operation played... Annihilate. Oh, of course. Don't forget Sorry. the exclamation point. Uh, well, that's that's an essential part of the, the title mm-hmm. um, where Kirk's brother also famously played by William Shatner uh-huh. with a mustache. With a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Died. And um, uh, his nephew is still alive and his nephew joined Starfleet. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that happens in the episode, but I know they talk about uh, Peter Kirk. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's cool. 
it's a cool dynamic having his nephew and he can't give him special treatment. But also this kid is clearly a Kirk. He He's too hard on himself. He overthinks things. And I like that aspect yeah. of stuff. I also like, like character wise. There's a bit where uh, where Kirk goes in. And it's just like, OK, so again, let me give you some advice. This episode is all about giving Peter Kirk advice for about various things. And yeah, which is fine. It's mostly his episode. Yeah. And that's OK. That's and how it works. The scenes are pretty good, you know? Yeah. Again, with better actors, they could have been quite good. Mm-hmm. This was all right. I, there was just there was some choices. And I don't know if maybe it was the directing because we have a legit actor in this yeah we have um uh what is her name barbara luna who played uh uh the captain's woman Alert, in mirror it, mirror oh yeah i see yeah yeah that was her like we know her from the original series what she is was, it marlene something marlena marlena something like that yeah yeah but she was in um she was in mirror mirror mm-hmm. so like we've seen her before uh and she plays the bad guy that that uh, matt mentioned uh, yeah uh, alersa yes or possibly a or, or a Bator, yes I don't know that everyone's going to get that, but I quite like it. Um, and she's not very great either. No. It's, Which, again, is too bad. The I like the writing on her as like this. this, uh, this it's kind of campy. It's kind of yeah, Batman 66. It's very Batman 66. And I like that a lot. And they all have to call her like Milady and stuff. Yeah. And she keeps uh, like freaking out and like waving a knife at people. It's awesome. Yeah. If she, and, if, if, God, if the acting had been better, it would have been really enjoyable. And that's why I wonder, because they have at least one legitimate established actor, mm. I wonder if it's maybe the directing. Yeah. Like maybe these actors aren't that bad, but maybe the director... I This is a theory. I do not know this at all. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, like with George Lucas, for instance, you get a guy who's way into the technical end of things and is not great handling actors. Exactly. The uh, the and whole, so like, get, uh, just pull it back a whole lot, which yeah. George Lucas and, was famous for saying. Yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe this director... Because the technically... It's great. Mm-hmm. It looks so much like the 60s and not just the the VFX shots. No, but the also... bridge is amazing looking. Like, Yeah, and when they're in other parts of the ship, that lighting, that weird sort of like the wall is white, but there's like a purple projected, like it's like lit up purple. Yeah. Like it all looks so like. And the, the lighting, like you get that weird eye lighting like they used to do. Mm-hmm. It all looks very original series. It's yeah, very no, it's good. like, it's, it's so clearly, whoever was doing set design for them and was just so, like, they did their homework and it shows, like, I mean, this is my well, good thing. The, it, the sh- it looks amazing, all yeah. of it. Like, the visual effects in the space, the space fights are the best part of this entire thing. They're gorgeous. I could watch this crap all day. Yeah, the Eagle was a cool idea for a ship, which is a, a Constitution-class ship like the Enterprise, mm-hmm. but it's got all these weird, like, additions to it that are not federation standard you get like armor and stuff it honestly like do you remember we were doing voyager and i talked about how like i wanted by the end of the uh the series for voyager to come like back to oh yeah it'd be like a weird frankenstein ship. yeah it would like it would have been all built with crap that they had found in the delta quadrant that's what it it looks like it looks like uh the enterprise cobbled together with spare parts it looks like the like a borg ship almost and it's really cool but it also looks like something that could have been designed in the 60s yeah exactly you when when you set something in this era of Trek, you have to make that decision. Do you want to stick to that aesthetic, or like J.J. Abrams or like Discovery? Do you want to push it into now? Mm-hmm. And these guys made a very clear choice. No, we're going to shoot this the way it would have been done in the '60s. And it lo- like I, I'm sure the ships were done in CG, but yeah, they still look like '60s ships. Yeah, like and there's shots that you would never get in the original. Series. There's like a part where one of these tiny ships that's sort of attacking the Enterprise like bangs off the side of the hull, and it looks so cool. 
Yeah. Oh, at the end, you get like the Enterprise is all banged up. So they go back to space dock to get repaired. Mm. That looks amazing. Yeah. We never got anything like that. Yeah. And it's just a, you know, it's just like a metal frame around the ship with little guys working on it, but it looked really good. I mean, like the, the, when they went back and did the CGI, uh, for the original series, like Mm -hmm. it, like that doesn't look this good and that looks good as hell. Yeah. No. And, and those were also done very lovingly, like with a respect to the original sixties designs. And this, this just feels like more of the same, Mm -hmm. which made me very happy. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't to be clear. It was not fun to watch yeah and we're trying to be nice we really are yeah but i mean i was checking the runtime way more than i usually do. oh yeah and it's a full hour it, yeah no i <laughs> when i went to watch it the I other night every i just I, I opened it up it's like 58 minutes really yeah no and i thought okay maybe there's a coming attraction at the end maybe there's some credit no no it's, it's pretty much 58 minutes yeah. long it's uh yeah it's rough. I mean, there's a lot, again, there's a lot to like about it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if it had been like half hour, you get like some better actors, something like that. It uh, mostly it the up, actors. But... Like, really. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, but my good thing, and we already talked about this a bit, mm-hmm. uh, following up with Kirk's nephew from that one original series episode wasn't a bad idea. Uh, also, he's gay, mm-hmm. which never would have happened in the 60s. So it's a nice use of this medium. Like, yep. and it's making not, it it's in the not a, early um, 2000s. And it's not like a revelation or anything. It's just mentioned in passing, which is awesome. <sighs> It's it's a little awkward because he's lying in his quarters looking at a picture of himself with presumably his boyfriend or husband. Yeah. And it's like nobody spends their time just looking at a framed picture well, of themselves and their partner ever. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with that just because like that's 60s campy as hell. Like, oh, yeah. No, that felt like a TV scene. Yeah, it absolutely did. It, but it's still, you know, like nobody does that. He's lying on his bed like that gif of Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, uh, they they managed to sort of crowbar in representation where it should have yeah. always been, but couldn't have been. And so, basically, these fan film producers were more brave than Rick Berman. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, like, you would have gotten, it, the fact that the villain in this is a woman with a starship probably wouldn't have happened back then either. Uh, yeah, back in the 60s, yeah. you're right. Like, Berman would have let that through, but she would have had to have been sexier. Yeah, of course. And, uh, again, trying to be nice, really, she looked like someone's aunt. <laughs> That's more how they dressed her. Yeah. That's I'm I'm trying not to go uh, directly and say mean things about her directly and I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. But the way they dressed her, she looked like someone's aunt who was going to a karaoke bar for someone's third wedding. <laughs> Very specific image. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Where you don't put the effort in anymore. Oh, this is Sharon's third, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, fuck it. I'll just throw something on anything. Here it you go. Matter. It's a gift certificate. Enjoy. Uh huh. She definitely spends a lot of her time in hot tubs. <laughs> There's just a, such a specific image of her. Sure. You know what I'm talking uh, about. No, I know. And I don't even mean this as a as as a, you know a bad thing per se. It doesn't. It it's jarring from the episode. Mm-hmm. But you know. I'm 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 very carefully trying not to insult her because that's not what how I mean this at all. I ah. really don't. But she totally looks like someone's aunt who has a few too many margaritas. <laughs> it's my vacation. I'm putting my hair down this weekend. <laughs> and maybe like sort of quote unquote accidentally plays footsie with your friend at dinner. Uh-huh. And you're like, "Aunt Aunt Lorraine, what are you doing?" <laughs> Oh, oh, is that, I'm sorry. I thought that was the table leg, honey. <laughs> Turn into Dr. Girlfriend. 
Yeah. No, I was going for Lucille Ball, but that works too. Ah. Um, what was your bad thing? Uh, well, speaking of Peter Kirk, uh, that uh-huh. dude has the worst fucking mullet I've ever seen. Oh boy, that is the tip of this hairy iceberg. It's like, wow. I know Starfleet's got some lax standards, but Jesus Christ, get a haircut, you hippie. All of the hair. Uh-huh. All of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone, it looked like, okay, uh, the, this, this doesn't seem related, but I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, the I was recently reading the uh, the Beastie Boys book that came out, which mm-hmm. is you know about their career and everything. Sure. And, and the uh, there's a bit about the making of the the, the their well known video for Sabotage, mm-hmm. and where they went uh, to some uh, wig and mustache place <laughs> in in L A somewhere. Yeah, that's what they is like a wig and mustache place. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's L A. It's fucking. Hollywood. Oh yeah, no. They, listen, I know you can get a wig and like mustache that place, but yeah. uh, and they they're like, we're gonna pick up one or two of these, and they end up getting everything, <laughs> and just using all of it. Like they shot the episode, they they shot the video for nothing. Like, uh-huh. like this the studio or or their label or whatever said it would cost eighty thousand dollars, and they said fuck that, we'll do it for ten. Uh-huh. And they went down to the wig shop and just picked up every single wig and every single mustache. How many wigs and mustaches can I buy for $10,000? Yeah, exactly. Oh, all of them in the city? Cool. Yeah. But this felt like that. This felt like they went to the cheapest wig shop and bought all the worst wigs. Excuse me. uh, They went to the cheapest wig sphere. Oh, of course. (laughs) No, the wig sphere's in Tennessee. I don't think they made this in Tennessee. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. They didn't take a road trip down there and and tell like tell DC Fontana that they're going to a grammar rodeo. <laughs> trying to think who's their mom? <laughs> grammar rodeo. Fontana. Yeah. Uh but it it just it felt like they got all the worst wig like everyone had such bad hair. Yeah. I mean, real bad. <laughs> uh sideburns guy like you're talking about looked like he was going for like a there was that thing that Vanilla Ice did. It was famous in like the early '90s, where you would sort of shave lines in the side his, of your head. His sideburns were a ladder, is I think yeah. what we're going for here. Oh, and I, I mean, it was meant to of... be like he's an alien with with from the ladder sideburns planet, which is not a great planet. Yeah, but in the '60s, that's yeah. that's what passed for an alien. So fine, but yeah, fine. Fuck on next gen, that would have passed for an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but every like a lot of the dudes had goatees, like like everyone had in the 90s mm-hmm. and look I had one of them too like that was just what dudes had but it it sort of threw me out of the whole like all of it threw me out of the whole 60s vibe yeah cuz it did not look like styles that people would have had in the 60s and everything else did yeah and like you know you're nailing everything else guys like yeah and the dude playing Kirk had like black hair yeah. like come on man <laughs> dye your hair for this the mm-hmm. guy the guy playing Kirk is um uh, the guy who produced all of this. Like, sure. This is his baby. So he wanted to cast himself as Kirk. So I eh, get whatever. it. Like, you know. Yeah, I suppose. But, uh, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I do. Trying to be nice. Yeah. They're all wearing tribbles on their heads. Mm-hmm. And they're just, re- like, the guy playing Chekhov, same thing. He had, like, a weird mullet. Like, so many mullets. Mm-hmm. So much hockey hair. Yeah. Just, just a bit rough. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the best. Yeah, and Kirk's one defining characteristic is definitely black hair. Uh huh. Yeah. No, that's definitely uh, the first thing I think of. Yeah, of course. Uh, they did foreshadow Scotty's mustache, though. <laughs> they sure did. There's a deep callback for you. In 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 the same way that they foreshadowed Ensign Kyle's. Uh, yes. Right. Exactly. 
Because that's what it's called when you grow a mustache in Star Trek is foreshadowing. Well, because then later, you know, in a chronologically later episode, you will have like a full mustache. Uh-huh. So that's that's foreshadowing, I guess. Uh-huh. Maybe five o'clock shadow has been placed, replaced by foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Man, we're in a I real dumb fandom here. <laughs> yeah, but we're not in like even the top 50 toxic fandoms. So no, that's, that's a plus. It's mostly because uh, mostly because the only show right now is behind a fucking paywall. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, all of the all of the assholes and creeps got bored and went somewhere else. They're all uh, they're all being shitty about Star Wars now. Yeah, which is fine. I'm not really part of that fandom. I love Star Wars, but it's just a thing I like. It's yeah. not really a thing I need to find other people for. So I it, it's I'm not good. hard to find people to say. Isn't Star Wars great? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's been my entire generation. That's why nobody talks about Gen X and they just skip right to millennials because it's like, oh, you mean those guys that won't shut up about Star Wars? You're still talking about Star Wars, huh? Yeah, you heard about yeah. Star Wars. It's pretty good. Yeah, you know, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> uh, back to the guy who played Bones, uh, something specific that bothered me. Mm. Um, he he wanted something from one of the um, nurses. Uh, and he said, hurry up, nurse, like snapping his fingers. Like, that is not something Bones no, would do. No, that's... That really bothered yeah. me. Like, that, that would bother me if any character did it, but it would feel like, okay, Kirk probably would, because he's kind of a dick. Yeah, that's, yeah. Jet, Southern oh, the, gentleman. Yeah. Hey, get over here, would you? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it means you treat women with respect and you float around and steal hearts. What? It's a Buffy reference. Ah, I don't remember that one. This is a good episode. You should watch it. I mean, maybe I will. All right. It's been a while. Um. Oh, a note I have here repeatedly mm. is how poorly it was mic'd. Yeah, yeah. That really bothered that's, me. And that's another bad one. Like there's there's a lot of they're in what are clearly big sets that are not soundproof. Well, the and, the opening when they're filming in like the middle of like a desert or whatever is like yeah. I I don't know if it was the lighting or if they were trying to go for something, but it looks real faded too. Yeah, I did. That didn't bother me. I think they were trying to make it look you know that way when you apply a filter to an outdoor location to make it look like an alien planet. Mm. I don't think it was as good as you know disco or whatever, yeah. but. I, th- I I got what they were going for there, but there were a bunch of things where they didn't get the mics close enough, and the acoustics of the room just made their voices bounce off the walls. And oh, it it, it that's a thing that I noticed. Yeah, that bothers me so much. And it's like I could have done a better job. I am not a professional. I am an enthusiastic amateur, mm-hmm. and I could have done a better job miking this than they did. Yeah, that bothered me a lot because all the other technical stuff was so good. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It, like when you've got when you've nailed the stuff that they nailed, like as well as they yeah. have the the, the costumes stuff that's bad, and set really, design really stands out. Costumes, set design, camera angles, lighting, mm-hmm. special effects, all of it excellent. The sound was just terrible. Yeah, it's like this. I feel confident criticizing just because. They paid a lot of people who knew what they were doing, clearly, mm-hmm. for all the rest of this. I don't feel like I'm being unfair here. Like, I have a note here in all caps. Buy some fucking microphones and then move them closer to their mouths. <laughs> I was just so angry about it. Uh, they did work in the Wilhelm scream at one point. Yeah, well, it's always nice to see that. That seemed to have been mic'd properly. Mm-hmm. So Should have made that my quote. Yeah. Um. What else? What else? Man. They had an Andorian just in a sort of a cameo appearance. That was nice. Yeah, that was cool. And then he got mm-hmm. battle damaged. One of his antennas got cut off. That was I enjoyed that, too. Yeah, that was nice. And 
we got to see a rare appearance of a captain of a ship that is not human. Yeah, that was cool. Hardly ever get that in any Star Trek, as we have pointed out on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, oh, at one point we're in um, Alursa's uh, uh, quarters, and she's got some skulls just hanging around. Yeah. Well, I mean, as someone who has, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four skulls on his desk, I can uh, I can sympathize yeah, but, with that. But you, as you count those, you're moving past like little Mario's and Hellboys, mm-hmm. and like you got a bunch of cartoon characters there in addition to the skulls. So you're saying you would also you would have liked her desk to also have a like a Hellboy statue or something on it? Not specifically, whatever her specific interests are. I I mean, I would love to see a couple of uh, uh, Mario amiibos on there. Yeah. But, you know, this was made in, like, what, 2004, so they might not have known. No, you know. Amiibos were still a dream of the future at that point. Right. Like, there's only things you can unlock in this video game if you buy this toy. Uh-huh. What a great idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a pretty great idea. <laughs> no, I don't think that it is. Well, I also I want to own buy the toys, a... so now I have a toy that does something. Well, that's fair. Whereas I was playing Mario Maker and want to unlock a thing, and I got to go buy something else first. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um... But, uh, like, it, when we're in her quarters, uh, she's clearly got some kind of hypnosis effect or some mm-hmm. kind of power or something. I don't know what it is. The thing was they were super off... vague about it, and then they were super vague about how Kirk didn't, how it didn't work on Kirk. So, like. Yeah, but it played, like, bewitched. Yeah. Because there's a little ding in the soundtrack <sighs> where she goes, oh, your name is Jim. Ding. <laughs> Come over here, Jim. Ding. <laughs> like, does she think his name is Jim Ding? <laughs> No, it's a it's a sixties game show. Wherever you say Jim, you get a point. Oh, nice. What's his face from the, What's his face from the match game? It's just off screen. <laughs> Who? Charles Nelson Riley? Oh God, host? if only. Yeah, it's called Jim Dandy. <laughs> uh, Mr. Spock was so blank. <laughs> Balls. <laughs> Shut up, Brett. Dumb Pavel was so dumb, <laughs> he thought blank was made in Russia. <laughs> oh, I love that show so much. <laughs> there are whole seasons of that on uh, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and um, they're in order, which is weird. Like, I've seen a bunch of those just, like, on the Game Show Network and on YouTube, like, out of order. You know, it doesn't matter. Sure. There's no continuity in a, in a game show, but... The thing is, you do see continuity when you watch them in order because it's clear they shot five of them in a day. Oh, yeah. But they all changed shirts. So it's like the same contestant is there, but Richard Dawson put on another like mm. or, sexy uh, velvet shirt yeah. or whatever. Or sailor's costume in uh, Charles Nelson Riley's case. Yeah. <laughs> At one point he was wearing one and he said something like, I don't let women on my boat. <laughs> we know, Charles. We know. Yeah, but... It's weird that no one, like, at the time, no one knew he was gay. Like, really? Boy, that really? confirmed bachelor sure is funny. Yeah. I hope he meets a nice girl someday. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll hook up with Peter Kirk. <laughs> Watch the crap an, out of that. He's an available swinging man in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. They're, you know. Uh, no, I think Charles Nelson Riley could do better. <laughs> Probably do better, than, better hair-wise. Presumably Paul Lind. I just assume those guys hooked up at some point. Oh, yeah. Because they're basically the same person. Get Cesar Romero in there, too. <laughs> Cesar Romero was a whore, apparently. Uh, that's what I hear from you. 
I well, I was in a, in a, uh, I was on an old movie kick for a while, mm-hmm. and I was reading, and like, not only was he, you know, very famously gay, he very famously seduced every single man who even slightly swung that way from like the 30s to the 60s. Like, that's awesome. I had no idea. That's, yeah. Like, it's one thing where they're sort of like, okay, yeah, I'm into dudes. I don't want to talk about it. We'll just keep it quiet. He didn't fucking care. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Star Trek. It just delights no, me. No, it's just... <laughs> but it is interesting. I think it is. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, anything else about I this? I think that's everything. All right. You uh, got a quote? Yeah, I do have a quote. Uh, this is one of, the, one of the lines I thought was actually pretty funny from the episode. It's like being attacked by kittens. Indeed, but given enough time, their claws will do damage. It was, and then, and then I liked um, Spock rolling with it mm-hmm. and saying, what, what did he say? Like, uh, yes, but the kittens have their claws out. Uh-huh. Or something. Like, he didn't do that dumb data thing where he's like, cats could not breathe Curious, in space. Uh, yeah. What is an Earth cat? Mm-hmm. No, he, he understood that Chekhov was using a metaphor and kept going with it. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. So overall, I would say this experience was not, yeah, great. Not, but it yeah. was. We've done it. Mm-hmm. Like we don't. We know what's out there now. Yeah. I still wish. Like I would absolutely do another one of these if we could find a full version of that one made in the seventies, which I know would also sort of be painful to watch, but in in a different way. Yeah. Then that's an interesting uh, sort of photograph of fandom in the seventies when there was no other yeah. Star Trek to watch. Yeah, and I've I've said many times I love. That that's my favorite period of Star Trek fandom when there wasn't an internet and there wasn't really any other science fiction fandom. Like, yeah, people were into sci-fi. There were sci-fi conventions, but nobody rallied behind one single thing. There wasn't like a Ray Bradbury convention or like an Isaac Asimov convention. Like, this was the only specific thing that so many people were into, and I just they they loved it so much that the show came back. The the, the thing I re- that I found really interesting about fandom back then, and this is this is speaking as someone who was on a message board for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um I love the idea of the like the sort of the fan newsletter where you would be Oh, the zines, yeah. The zines, yeah, where you would be writing like back and forth with other fans all over the world. Like well, well there's a um there's a there's a book that I got from my library when I was like a kid mm-hmm. uh called Best of Trek and I remember those, yeah. These. Yeah, I, I still have them. They're like I essays them from right? the library. Uh, well, it was basically like um, the the unofficial Trek like fan magazine, mm. uh, and there were like really well thought out essays and possible like they would take the minorest of minor characters and sort of like, well, what do we know about Kyle? Mm-hmm. What is what is he really about? Well, he's this and this and this, and you know you get some of that now on the internet, but back then there wasn't a lot, of mm-hmm. and like. I'm sure there was a thing in there about Peter Kirk and there's a, like, there's so much interesting yeah. and, and it went through an editor. So it wasn't just like reading someone's Tumblr post. Like there was a little more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And it is, they're super interesting and I'd love to get the rest of these, but they're all out of print. Yeah. So one day I'll have to, to hit up the uh, major bookstore that you work at. And I'm sure you probably have some. I think there's probably a few kicking around. Yeah. I'll look next time I'm there. Yeah. All right, so that's all for this time, and that, I think it is safe to say, is all for us doing fan films. Yep. It was an interesting experiment. So, but, there, uh, we did it. Um, yeah. Once again, guys who made this, if you're listening, please don't yell at us. <laughs> no, we we appreciate quite a lot of it. Yeah. But also, it's not perfect, because mm. that's, you know, sorry. Yeah. Um. So, next week. Mm-hmm. Next week is very exciting. We've We've teased this before. Uh, it's definitely happening. 
We are doing a supplemental in which every major guest who has ever appeared on, like all of our regular appearing guests, mm-hmm. will be appearing simultaneously. Yes. That means Amanda, Bob, Brian, Caitlin, Flonk, Irish Gav, Nate, Tidro, and Vichelle. Mm-hmm. Plus me and Matt. Yeah. It is going to be a headache. Uh-huh. Logistically speaking. But listening-wise, I think it's going to be a delight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we will be recording that uh, very soon. So if you have any questions, uh, we're doing it sort of um, uh, panel style. Like yeah. you would do like a debate, you know, one of those like presidential debates where there's like 10 guys where you ask a question and then you give them a chance to answer and then you give the whole floor a chance to, to rebut or whatever. Mm. So if you have a, a very simple Star Trek question, you want to throw to our panel or one of those specific guests, write to us, post at Gmail. Yep. Uh, but do it quickly. Yeah. Do not say, "Oh, well, I got, I got a lot of time." No, you don't. No, we're filming. We're we're gonna record it like ne- this time next week, basically. Yeah, but also, uh, I want to give them a little time to know what we're gonna ask and think about it, mm-hmm. so it's not putting people on the spot. Oh, yeah, good. So the sooner you give us the questions, the better. Yeah. Postomicore at Gmail, or if you have anything else you want to write to us about, yeah. that is that is the uh, that is the email address. If you want to write and say, uh, "Hey, I make Phase Two, and you're a jerk," well, go ahead. Fair. We probably have a little of that coming. We tried, mm-hmm. but you know. Uh, our website, as always, postatomichorror.com. We do have a Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. We have not discussed this yet. Be... Are we Are we abandoning Tumblr, Matt? I am basically sticking with, tum- like, whether they, um, uh, whatever happens, I'm sticking with Tumblr for, for the time being. So, at the very least, uh, I can still run the, uh, the okay. pot. No, it's... It's mostly I've I've seen a lot of people saying if you leave you need to like delete all your accounts yeah, I've so seen we can that show too. them you know and and I agree with the principle of that yeah. but on the other hand I know a fair amount of people actually follow our our Tumblr yeah so. and like and I mean I've been using that thing forever man I got like some like yeah. almost ten years of content backing up on that thing yeah so and and we post in addition to show related stuff a lot of just interesting Trek mm-hmm. stuff that we see. Uh, so, all right, we will be sticking around. Yeah. I just, I wanted to address that. Yeah. I wanted, because a lot of people are abandoning Tumblr because they've, they've integrated some policies that are kind of terrible mm-hmm. and a lot of people are abandoning ship, but, uh, that, that answers that we will still be there. Yeah. So, at, at, at the very least for now. Yeah. Yeah. That may change. Mm-hmm. And if it does, we'll let you know. Cause I know some people are, are into that. Sure. Uh, and actually that, that blog is followed by a couple of fairly reputable sort of fan, like Trek fan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tumblers. So. I kind of thought we were slowly becoming part of that community. Yeah. So I don't know how we would do that elsewhere. Yeah. Thanks, Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Re- speaking... Real annoyed by all of this, by the way. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, speaking of problematic social media platforms that we are on, though, we mm-hmm. are on Twitter. Probably not going anywhere there. At Algar at Robot Matt. So uh, follow us there. We we talk a lot and we talk to each other sometimes mm-hmm. and talk about show stuff. So. So there's that. We you often get sort of our first reactions to things when we're watching them. There sure was hint. one this week. <laughs> I saw that. It's very nice. Uh, and that's it. So we will be back next week. Yeah. Uh, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.